Well, it's been a spell since my last podcast episode. I think it was six weeks ago or so. This is the beginning of February 2022. And I really need to catch up because I've been super busy with the holidays, Christmas, New Year's, and then cranking out, what, four or five YouTube videos, I think, in January. And so the podcast has fallen behind a little bit. I like to do once a month, one episode a month. And so in 2022, I hope to continue that trend, although I've started off again a little bit slow. And what I want to talk about today is the state of mobile filmmaking, mobile video, as it relates to, I don't know, YouTube, indie film, just filmmaking in general. Where are we and where are we going? Hey guys, Blake Calhoun, and yes, another episode of Almost Professional, the podcast about mobile filmmaking, indie filmmaking, DIY filmmaking, really all things filmmaking. And I've been thinking during the break, the Christmas, New Year's break, about mobile video and mobile filmmaking and where we are as it relates to, I guess, the technology, although I'm really looking at it from more of a big picture because as I always say, the tech is great, but that's not why we use these tools. We use these tools to tell stories, to make videos, whether that's family videos or indie film or YouTube videos, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we've been able to make really excellent content on our phones for a long time. Just like with traditional cameras, technology changes and it gets better and better and you look at something you did four years ago, whether it's on a DSLR camera or an iPhone, and you're like, well, the storytelling is solid. Let's assume that. But it does look a lot better today. And does that matter, I guess, is what I'm getting at. The answer is yes and no, because ultimately the story is the most important thing. And again, whatever that may be, but the tech, the way you tell that story, how it's presented, and again, especially today, people are so spoiled. A quick side note, I did a movie, ugh, I guess it was 20 years ago. I was just a kid. <laughs> um, I shot it on mini DV, and it's a fun movie. It's called 88 Hits. It's an improvised comedy, and it played the festival circuit, and I made a DVD, et cetera, et cetera. And I put it out on Vimeo, and at one point it was on Amazon Prime, but it's not there anymore. It got pulled from Amazon Prime for quality reasons. Now, the content is good. It was performed by professional improvisers, great actors. I really liked the movie. However, as I mentioned, it was shot on mini DV, and today the quality just doesn't hold up. And I tried to up-res it, and I did up-res it, and I think it looks okay. I brought it up to 720p quality. But the point is, audiences today are so spoiled because now we can shoot amazing looking video with our phone. That mini DV camera I used back in 2003, I think is when it was. I guess it was like 19 years ago. It just doesn't hold a candle to the tech we have today. 
and audiences notice they do. And even though the content is good, it what's the right way to say this? They're so used to looking at 4K on YouTube that it's hard for them to watch something that is SD. Now, for me, it doesn't bother me, but I guess especially younger generations that don't really have anything to compare to, it's a struggle for them. And so circling back to using your phone today, mobile video, does it matter? In a way it does. It, it, the technology, the leaps and bounds we've made in tech, especially the last you know three to five years, has made a difference because whether you like it or not, production value matters. I mean, you see Instagram story videos that look like they're a um, polished indie film. But back to the state of mobile video in 2022, I think it's good. I think it's really good. I've even talked about how because of ProRes and just the new iPhone 13 Pro and Pro Max, the larger sensor, the better low light ability, et cetera, et cetera, I've started using that camera more and more on my YouTube channel and sometimes as a main camera. Even though I run a channel about mobile video and mobile filmmaking, I still shoot most of my everyday video and I'm doing it right now actually. If, again, if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm using a Sony mirrorless camera just because of ease of use and reliability. Phones are easy to use, but doing long form stuff sometimes, you know, you'll get a corrupted file or the phone will flake out or the app will crash, et cetera. That's getting better, but I still use a mix of traditional cameras. And for me, that is really the main way I use my, my iPhone. My iPhone has been for a while and will continue to be an excellent B camera. Again, I've tried to use it as an A camera and, and I do, and I've used it successfully quite a bit. A lot of my videos that have come out in the last six to eight weeks have either been completely shot, and I'm talking about my YouTube videos, have been completely shot on the 13 Pro Max or half of it at least shot that way. I've been using cinematic mode a lot and ProRes a lot. So those things are, are two different aspects of the new device, but they're equally important for creating cool content now with your phone. And so while I know some people use their phone exclusively, Tons of guys I follow on Twitter, I'm not there yet. I keep trying to get there, but I'm just not. I see a path though, and that's kind of a larger point. I see a path where I might be. Not that we have to be. That's, I'm not a, a snob, a film snob about you have to use a certain camera, whether you're making a movie or making a YouTube video or whatever, and that can go both ways. I'm not a snob because I have a channel about mobile video that I'm only using my phone and vice versa. I'm not a snob saying I'm only using my Sony mirrorless or my Blackmagic or whatever camera. I mix and match both and I've been sort of camera agnostic for years, a long time actually. I mean, I just mentioned I shot a, a movie on mini DV. That's the best we had at the time. Well, best affordable option we had at the time. We had film and, and there were some early HD cameras back then, but my God, they were incredibly expensive. And I did shoot a couple movies on film. I've mentioned on this podcast before, 16 millimeter. And that's fun to use. And I've actually thought about going back and doing another 16 millimeter film recently because now, of course, it's a novelty in a way, especially on the indie side. I know some big Hollywood films are still shot on film, 35 in particular, or 70 millimeter. But in the indie world, it's all Aerie Alexa pretty much or Black Magic, et cetera. 
it's just too expensive and too hard to shoot film on a low budget. It really is. But that's where phones can come into play. My daughter, uh, my older daughter is 12 years old and she is learning After Effects. She actually knows After Effects as well maybe as I do. I'm not a big After Effects guy. I use Premiere Pro and usually when I'm doing After Effects stuff, I can do, you know, I can do some stuff, motion tracking and some, you know, graphic design or, you know, motion graphics, et cetera, and some compositing, of course. That kind of goes hand in hand with um, uh, editing, et cetera. But the point is she's 12. She's learning After Effects. She has a phone. She's doing all these anime edits, as they call them. I, I don't know what, what it is, but it looks really cool and amazing. And I just think how, again, cool and amazing it is that at 12, you have access to that kind of technology. And so that's where technology really does matter. When I was 12, we had VHS and uh, maybe VHS-C. I can't remember. I know we had Hi8. And I did experiment with that. I used one of my grandfather's cameras, his Hi8 camera, to shoot some little short films. And so... Those were fun, and you look at them now. I did save some of those. They look god-awful. They look terrible. But you like them just for the nostalgic reasons. Now, today, a filmmaker like my daughter, she's not a filmmaker, but you know she's doing social media and that kind of thing. She'll look back on stuff when she's in her 40s or 50s and think, you know, she won't like it. That's a natural filmmaking thing. You don't like any of your work. I mean, I don't like work I did six months ago. I think I've always said that means you're growing and learning as a filmmaker. But she won't look back at it and think it looks like garbage. <laughs> like a lot of the stuff of my generation, you know, we learned in the, in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s, kind of a spread of 10 or so years there where technology dramatically changed going from standard definition you know, to digital, you know, analog, like beta SP or VHS to digital mini DV, then to HD. And then, you know, there was a spell there again from probably what the late nineties to the early to mid two thousands. When I say that, I mean, up to like 2010 or eight, 10 range or so where it was just changing so quickly again, DV, then eight, I forgot to mention HDV, all the tape based stuff. And then on to where we are today. And in 2012 is when I first started really messing with an iPhone, seriously, using Filmic Pro. I think at that point it was 720p, but I saw the potential. I saw the potential. Now cut to 10 years from then, we've got 4K, and the rumors on the next iPhone, which people are already talking about, it's like, come on, man, I don't even have a case yet for my iPhone 13 Pro Max. The supply chain issues have really made things slow. I mean, Moment and B-Script and all these companies, we're what, four, almost five months into this cycle with phones, and I don't have the accessories I'd like to have, which is scary because they're expensive, and then the new phone comes, they don't work anymore. It's a whole nother story. But the 14 is rumored to have 8K. Now, I don't want 8K. I get why you'd want 8K for visual effects or for reframing and post, but... And I'll use 8K if it comes, which it probably will. But 4K is more than enough right now. But the point being is 8K is coming. Just go from that to 720p back in 2012 and 8K in 2022. That'll be September of this year. It's remarkable. And so the state of mobile filmmaking, in my mind, is 
better than it's ever been. I said this recently, and I, I really believe it. I am much more interested in what you can do with your phone today than I am with what you can do with a traditional camera. Traditional cameras are so good that they've gotten boring. That's a good problem to have. Again, you know, you just throw your Sony up on a tripod and hit record, and you got the awesome autofocus, shooting an HLG, so you get great dynamic range, et cetera, et cetera. But you can do a lot of that now with the phone. The main limitations as I see it are really, it's mainly iPhone specific at this point, and that's what I use. The dynamic tone mapping still screws up a lot of my shots. It's getting better, but it still messes things up. If you don't know what I'm talking about, even when your settings are locked, you will get, in quotes, exposure shifts. The phone locks on to whatever it is, the sun or just the bright light. It's usually in higher contrast scenes, and if you pan across something dark object or have something go across the frame, you know, the exposure will look like it's shifting on the phone. That's dynamic tone mapping. It sucks. I mean, well, it's great for photography. It's good for video if you're not moving the camera a lot, but it's not great if you're a filmmaker and you want to control the image yourself, manual, everything. Wish you could turn that stuff off. The second thing along those same lines is the sharpening. The iPhone has built-in sharpening that we can't turn off. I know on some Android devices, you can turn that off. And so that would be important to get rid of that or to have the ability to turn it off. And then the other thing I've been noticing a lot with the 13 Pro Max, and it's not as bad, it was really bad, like with the 10s Max, where it had not only dynamic tone mapping, but you have that mixed with noise reduction and you get these really funky skin tones. That's been fixed to a large degree, but the noise reduction can really soften the image in a weird way. To me, softer images are better. I just talked about wanting to turn off the, the sharpening. I'd rather add sharpening in post if you can. That's what I do with black magic and red, et cetera. But with iPhone, you have all that kind of baked into the image. And while you, if you're shooting with Filmic Pro, you're shooting Log, or if you're shooting ProRes, uh, especially the Rec 2020, you have a lot more control in post. However, it would just be great, again, as a filmmaker to turn that off. Now, I know that's pretty niche, especially for Apple, considering it's such a major consumer electronic, meaning, you know, it's soccer moms and, you know, just average Joe using the phone. The, what we do is very niche. However, since they added ProRes, they're catering to us in a lot of instances because soccer moms aren't using ProRes or they really shouldn't. There's very, I can't really think of an instance where they would use it or they should use it. And so hopefully Apple will continue that trend and add USB-C, that's the other thing I wanna to get to, USB-C and or Thunderbolt like they did to the iPad Pro to the 14 Pro. I'm sure that the regular 14 will either keep lightning or more than likely go wireless. We keep hearing that rumor that's been talked about for at least three years, hadn't happened yet. But if it does, it would probably be on the base model iPhone, then you can just use MagSafe or AirDrop, et cetera. But then on the Pro, since we do have ProRes, I really hope they add a fast transfer port. Again, USB-C or Thunderbolt would be ideal. That opens up a world of opportunities too for filmmakers, sending out a uncompressed 4K through HDMI to a Shogun, to an Atomos type monitor. I mean, there's just a lot of things that would do. Again, transferring the large ProRes files to your computer. 
And so technology does matter in that respect. I'm still a big proponent of use whatever you can. You know, my saying on my channel is don't wait to create. And I believe that. And everything I'm saying here about the iPhone, some people, I mentioned film snobs in quotes, you know, they won't even consider using an iPhone on a project. To them, this is inferior. And, and to a certain degree, it is. I mean, there's no question. I'm not one that has ever said, use this instead of a Red or instead of a Alexa or instead of any camera. I say use whatever camera you want. And for me, I use the iPhone as an everyday camera, but also in my professional work, including YouTube, I mainly use it as a B camera or a B roll camera. Again, depending on the shoot. I love using it on gimbals when I do use gimbals. I don't use gimbals a ton, but when I do, I love using an iPhone because typically speaking, you're shooting wide anyway. And when you shoot wide, you're not gonna see the shallow depth of field differences that you might with a if you're mixing in with a traditional camera. And then also it's just so easy to use and you can get amazing results because not only is it light and easy to use on a gimbal, the iPhone has unbelievably good stabilization built in. Several of my videos I've done this month, uh, well, last month, January, 2022, I highlighted that. So ultimately for me, the iPhone is in a really good position, mobile video in general. I don't care whether you use an Android. Again, I use an iPhone, so that's kind of where my point of view comes from. We're in an amazing position right now and it's only getting better. I love seeing the developments with Apple and technology, you know, cinematic mode is only gonna get better. And to me, that's a very underutilized option. I use it quite a bit, maybe more than I thought it would because it's 30p, that does cause a lot of headache because my workflow is 24p. I'd really like to see them add the 24p option to that. We'll see if that happens. They probably need to make it 4k and maybe that's why they're doing 8k. Maybe they'll oversample 8k and then give us a 4k 24p cinematic mode because Apple doesn't offer 1080 24, even in the regular video camera app. And I actually kind of forgot about that. They have 4K 24, but all their 1080 options are either 30 or 60 or high frame rate slow-mo, 120 or 240. There must be a technical reason for that. I don't know what it is. I always say, I'm not an engineer, I'm absolutely not. I'll leave that to the guys that understand that. But just as a practical matter, when you call something cinematic mode, and Apple knows this, it's 24 frames per second. And so hopefully that'll be resolved. Resolve is probably the wrong word. Hopefully that'll be revised or changed. But again, cinematic mode is really interesting to me and I think it has so much potential and we'll see how it advances in the future. So I'm probably contradicting myself a little bit here, especially if you've listened to this podcast for the last three years where I talk about the camera you have doesn't matter, the tech doesn't matter. And from a larger point of view, from a storytelling point of view, it doesn't. But audiences today are so used to polished content. I mean, half the bigger YouTubers, especially Mr. Beast, et cetera, their stuff looks like you're watching Netflix, which is awesome. Peter McKinnon, Matty Hapoya, all their stuff is amazing. And that is largely due to tech. Yes, absolutely, there's skill involved, there's craft. A novice couldn't do at all what they do, no matter what kind of camera you're using. However, in that respect, if you have a red camera or you know an iPhone, I'm pointing to my phone on my desk here, and you know what you're doing, you can get amazing results. But if you don't know what you're doing, you can get pretty amazing results today. Just visually speaking, putting it all together, telling a story, completely different animal. 
So what do you think? I know I'm on a podcast. You really can't answer me unless you're on YouTube. You can leave a comment. Are iPhones or just mobile video in general up to par with many traditional cameras? Or are we still light years away? Or maybe we'll never get there. That thought has crossed my mind. And I don't know why. It's one of these weird things that us mobile filmmakers, it's always like we're waiting for it to be embraced by everyone. And that's kind of dumb when you really think about it. I mean, who cares, really? It took DSLRs a long time to be embraced. And so, and in some circles, they're not. And I'm talking about the higher end, and that's completely fine. The same may be the case for the iPhone or mobile video, and that's fine too. Ultimately, whatever you want to use to tell your story, it's getting that story made that matters the most. However, today in particular, because again, audiences are so spoiled, it's got to look good. It's got to look good. Whether you're shooting with a traditional camera or an iPhone, you can make that happen. So absolutely, don't wait to create. Get out there and make your movie. Just a quick note to say I mentioned I've been working on a smartphone cinematography 102 course. And that is true. It's uh, taking me a little longer to get it done than I want, and I'm in the process of working on that. So for those interested, I will be adding that to my academy. And if you're new to the podcast or my YouTube channel, I have a course on Filmic Pro. I have a course on color grading Luma Fusion, another one on smartphone cinematography. It's a one-on-one course, and then one on smartphone audio production. So the Cinematography 102 course will really go deeper into using lenses, third-party lenses, DOF adapters, all that kind of stuff that takes you to the next level. The 101 course is really a beginner's course. And so this 102 course will be a good follow-up to that and more intermediate to advanced. And I'll probably be updating my Filmic Pro course. The Filmic Pro course is several years old. I continue to update it along the way. I've had some people ask me about that recently. Whenever Filmic Pro comes out with a new app update, I add it to the course, but I'll be doing an entire overhaul of the course once Filmic Pro releases version seven of the app. We've been on version six for a couple years. Version seven, I don't know when it's coming. My guess would be it would come this year. Maybe they'll wait till the 14 comes out. I'm not sure, but I will be updating that once it does officially arrive. But the courses have been popular and it's a good way to help support what I do. And I hope you guys learn a lot and like those. And again, I'm going to be adding at least one more and updating more in the future. Well, I hope this podcast made sense. As I often say and often do, I rambled a little bit, went off on a couple of tangents, but ultimately I'm really happy with where we are right now in mobile video and mobile filmmaking. And I can't wait to see where we go. It's just really exciting. Well, this has been another episode of Almost Professional. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Blake Calhoun, and I will look forward to talking to you in the next episode.